Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The Dugout. Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily. Hello, welcome to The Dugout on Sports Social, a weekend preview of the Premier League with people who have played the game at the highest level. I'm Jim Salverson. There's no Nama Korn today. He's been in Rome. It's all right for some, isn't it? Commentating on the Europa League Conference defeat for Leicester City at the hands of Jose Mourinho's Roma. I'm sure he'll tell you about it when he's back, but today you're stuck with me. He'll be relying heavily on the expert knowledge of our two former pros on today's dugout. Former Leicester City and Nottingham Forest striker Matty Fryatt is on the dugout today along with Richie Wellens, who had spells with Leicester City, Blackpool, but started his career in the youth team at Manchester United. On today's podcast, I'll be getting their views on the important games within this week's Premier League at both the top and the bottom of the table. It looks like one more from three in terms of going down, but will it be Burnley, Everton or Leeds that face the drop to the Championship? Whilst at the other end of the table, it's a straight shootout between Manchester City and Liverpool, one of those celebrating midweek Champions League glory and a place in the final whilst the other faced heartbreak at the hands of Real Madrid. We'll talk about how they recover from those games on today's podcast. Just a quick note that I spoke to Matty and Richie on Thursday, which was before the Leicester City Europa Conference game. So there are some references to that game that might feel a little bit weird now, but the main focus is on the weekend's fixtures and nothing has changed there. If you were listening to this podcast on the Football Social Daily feed, well, you can now find The Dugout on a standalone podcast feed. Just search The Dugout and you should be able to find it wherever you find your podcasts. If you just want our weekend preview with a couple of pros, you can also find it on the Sport Social Podcast Network at sport-social.co.uk. And if you were listening to The Dugout podcast feed on its own, where you just find this show, where you can get daily Premier League updates from the Sport Social team covering all the news from the English top flight just by searching Football Social Daily. Again, also on the Sport Social Podcast Network site, sport-social.co.uk. But let's get stuck into this. Today's Dugout with Matty Fryatt and Richie Wellens. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. 
The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. How are you doing there, Matty? Yeah, all good, Jim. And how's it going for you, Richie? Everything good today? All good, yeah, spot on. Right, well, we're looking ahead to a weekend of Premier League action that's got an impact at both the bottom and the top of the Premier League. And that's where we're going to focus on the dugout today. We're going to start at the bottom, make our way to the top a little bit later. And we've picked a few of the key games to discuss from the weekend's action, starting with Saturday's match between Burnley and Aston Villa. Doesn't feel like the most glamorous of games, but it's certainly one of the games that could have a big impact on what happens this weekend. Now, Burnley are on a pretty decent run of form at the moment, Matty. They've dragged themselves out of the bottom three for the time being, at least. What's the atmosphere going to be like in the dressing room at the moment from this team that did look for a period of time nailed on for relegation, but now they've got that glimmer of hope? Will it still be all nerves or will they be full of confidence going into this game? Um, they should be full of confidence, obviously, having those wins back to back and building on it with a, a home game to look forward to. They'd, they should be thriving at the minute, Burnley. Um, I still expected them to pick up points, even with Daesh, but it just seems to have transformed it and seems like they're lifted. Um, and obviously, it's good to pick up those points and then obviously that brings confidence. But a fixture they should be looking forward to and um, one, they should be confident in, in probably getting three points against the Villa team. Um, obviously won last week, but they're sort of, sort of pitted out from earlier in the season. So Burnley should be very confident for this one. It's never a surprise when you see a bit of an uplift from a team where they've got a manager who doesn't appear popular from the outside looking in, leaving the club. But with Sean Dyche, it felt like he never lost the dressing room. It felt like he had a team there that really backed him. You must have been in that situation where a popular manager has been moved on from his position, Matty. Does it? Does that often harbour a result or can it go the other way sometimes? I'd normally found that it goes the other way. Obviously, players have got loyalties towards the manager. obviously been there nearly 10 years. So, yeah, I think there's all still playing for them, um, for Sean Dyche. And other players might have been looking over the shoulder, but it seemed to have worked in the favour. It uh, doesn't always be the case, but I suppose there hasn't been a permanent appointment and they're, they're playing for the Premier League survival. So they've all gathered and I think the dressing room wasn't lost. So you've still got part of it. It's just picking up those points, which they've obviously managed to do. There wasn't too much to change, nothing to really add to it. So it was surprising that they decided to get rid of Daesh, but at the minute it seems to be a masterstroke. As Matty says, Richie, he thought getting rid of Daesh was a bit of a mistake. I certainly came out at the time and said I thought it was suicide for the club to get rid of Sean Daesh. He felt like the glue that had kind of held that football club together, the saviour of Burnley. But his departure has resulted in this upturn of fortunes. Have you been surprised by the impact that changing the manager, and as Matty again says, not for a permanent uh, appointment, for a kind of caretaker role at the moment. Are you surprised at the impact that has had? Um, yeah, I think like most people, Sean Dice has been a, a burner legend in, in terms of the way that he's took him up in the Championship and kept him in the Premier League for so long. He's made a lot of people's players' careers because if a lot of them players got relegated from the Premier League with Burnley, I don't think there'd be many takers for a lot of the players. Maybe obviously Tarkowski, um, Dwight McNeil. So a lot of them players have a lot to thank um, Sean Dice for. Um but sometimes you can, the shackles can be taken off. You know, Sean's type of football is four-four-two retreat. It's quite counter-attack. He leaves two up. We hit a strike and we get forward from there. We're very narrow and we're very deep. So maybe the shackles have been took up, a, took off a little bit. And I think in the short term that can have a really good effect. And I think that's happened. I think it's probably a good thing that they've not got anybody in permanent. They've given Michael Jackson, who I've actually worked for as a as a player, he was my coach at Shrewsbury when I was coming to the end of my career. I think that's probably a good thing. Um, now, as it gets into the latter stages of the season, does that wear off? I don't know. I think they put themselves in a fantastic position to stay up. Um, yeah, I think going back to your initial question, I think it's very surprising that, that Sean Dice was leave the club. I think probably something has gone on in the background with a disagreement with with their new American owners, which is which is um, which has impacted that. 
But one thing is, could could Sean Dice have got these results? Most definitely, because he's done it every year. Burnley have always been in this position, so they've got a lot of players who are experienced in dealing with setbacks, dealing with not winning games consistently, and in the end, getting himself out of a hole and staying in the Premier League. So, yeah, surprised, but not surprised that they, they've given it a right good goal because they they've got. A, I think Burnley's team represents Burnley as a town. You know, they fight for everything, everything, every single ball, every single passage of play they fight for. So they put themselves in a decent position now. It's interesting that you've worked with the new temporary boss. I didn't realise that. So what's he going to be bringing to the dressing room? What's his style going to be like in there at the moment? And and does he have a, a footballing blueprint that he's going to be trying to impress on the Burnley players and potentially get that job long term? Well, I think obviously he's come from 23s. So I think financially we will do everything to try and get the job. Absolutely. Um, in terms of when I worked for him at, at Shrewsbury, he was a, he was a bit more free. He worked under Mickey Mellon. He wanted to play. And obviously he's took a group of players over at Burnley who have been quite set in the ways over a number and number of years. So I have sense. I watched them at, at West Ham and I watched them the other day at, at Watford. They have, they are definitely playing with a little bit more freedom. You know, when they get, when they, when they get caught on one side and not just putting it down the channel or in the box, actually coming out and, and trying to switch the play. So I watched Monday Night Football as well. Jamie Carragher highlighted the amount of passes that they're getting under Michael Jackson compared to Sean Dice, and, and that is significantly more. So he's obviously, as a manager, you want to put your own stamp on things. I think he's not complicated too much. I think he's probably given two or three things, simple messages and, and kept it clear, and, and they've definitely responded to I think they're certainly playing with a lot more confidence, it seems, or a lot more positivity than they were under Sean Dyche. It'll be interesting to see whether they can survive this season. And then what happens beyond that, whether they go back to the football that has brought them so much success in the Premier League to date. Speaking of managers, Matty, Aston Villa, they had a managerial change not that long ago either. And all eyes have been on Steven Gerrard and how he could perform in his first big gig in the Premier League. It looked like it was going to be easy to walk into the top half of the table early on in the season, but they've had a wobble in terms of form recently. How do you rate the job that Gerard has done at Aston Villa this season? Probably just satisfactory. I don't think he'll be too pleased with how the form's been over the last month. Um, obviously, they've got the win the last time out. Um, but it was so optimistic as he, he took over and it seemed as if it was going to only go one way and Villa were heading right to the top sort of thing. Um, but it hasn't been necessarily that case. I know they've blooded a few youngsters and got some really promising kids coming through and I think it'll be a massive summer for Aston Villa this one. Um, so obviously with the calibre of manager with Steven Gerrard and the players he can attract, it'll be interesting to see on Coutinho whether they're able to get a deal done with him. Um, but Villa have sort of stumbled the last few weeks um, and they don't want the season to just become a nothing season. And they've obviously got games in hand. And so they'd want to finish sort of the best of the rest, really. And that would be as high up as ninth, which I still think is possible for them. But um, from such optimism optimism to start with to now is sort of, yeah, let's get ninth and then see what they can do over the summer. And he'll, he'll know where. He'll have assessed all the players and know what he needs to, to bring to push Philly even higher. And he'll have his own expectations and, the players he can deliver on and the ones that he's, he can trust and see what's gone on for most of this season, see what he needs to add for next season. How far can that take you, the status of being Steven Gerrard? And obviously, he's proven himself up in Scotland. He's come to the Premier League. So it's not just his status that's been his pulling power at Aston Villa. But in terms of he came into the job and there was a bounce. There was kind of a renewed confidence from players. They seem to want to play for Steven Gerrard. And also, as you mentioned, those players that have come in, the likes of Philippe Coutinho, who probably wouldn't have come to that football club had Steven Gerrard not been in the boss. But at some point, the status has to be left behind and you have to be judged on results, don't you? So where, where is that crossover? Is it coming soon? Will next season be the real kind of litmus test of how he does? I think this season's sort of been a free one. I'm not sure whether in the relegation zone when Dean Smith departed. I'm not sure they were close to it, but I never felt as though Aston Villa were going to get relegated. Mm. Uh, it was only early doors anyway. Uh, they've got a good squad. They've built a good squad up. Um, signings haven't quite worked as such. Um, Villa have spent some some big money. Um, but I've, like, like mentioned before, they've got some promising young kids that can come into it. And then 
just with the Coutinho signing, he's able to trap those type of players. And it could be mentions of, say, Luis Suarez in the summer, people like that. And players will obviously play for people they feel they can uh, respond from and having been sort of a player with Coutinho and then a manager. It's only a natural thing that you you want to aspire. And he, he'll want to get to the top and he'll know what he, he needs. But again, you're going to need the result. I, I think it's been just a just a season where they've sort of stabilised. It's more, more about next season. So the summer will be important in terms of the recruitment and he'll know what he needs. Luis Suarez in an Aston Villa shirt. That would be absolutely insane. I can't quite picture that in my head. How do you see this one going then, Richie? Do you think Burnley are going to be able to take another step closer to safety on Saturday and get three points against Villa? I guess the importance of the result has been hammered home this week by the news that if they do face a future in the championship, a significant portion of the loan replacement that the new owners took out to take over the club at the end of 2020 would have to be repaid, which could potentially call the future of the whole football club into question. So the, it's certainly important they retain Premier League status, but can they get that little bit closer this weekend against Aston Villa? Well, I think it's a good game for them. Obviously, I think you need to to make the intensity levels and the pace of the game um, really hard for Aston Villa, who, who I have to say now, I think the players are looking to next season. I think that the manager's looking to next season. Um, so I think it's a really good game for them. I think the start is important. If you can start the first 20 minutes at a real intensity, then you know, maybe a couple of Aston Villa players don't fancy it. Um, I also get the sense that a couple of Aston Villa players sense that Steven Gerrard is not having them. He's looking to replace them in a season and that can have an impact. For me, the biggest thing regarding Steven Gerrard would be if you're, Ranger, if you're a manager of Rangers or Celtic in, in Scotland, every time you suffer a defeat, you know you're going to win the next game or you might win five or six on the bounce. When you're in the Premier League at Aston Villa, you can lose two games on the bounce and you might have a run of games at Man City, Liverpool... Man United, and all of a sudden, six, seven, eight games down the line, you're struggling for results. So he needs to get his head round that. That's a good test of his character because I think long term he's got his eyes on the Liverpool job. Um, but I think this is a really good game for Aston, uh, for Burnley. Really good run, um, good good vein of form. Should be really confident, and again, just getting in amongst Aston Villa players and, and, and make the intensity levels really high. Certainly a big game for both clubs. Maybe more significant for Burnley. We're going to move on to another potential relegation deciding game now and the game that I'm sure you'll both have a keen interest in Leicester City versus Everton this is one of the matches that's happening on Sunday let's start with Everton and you can go first on this one Richie what's wrong with Everton this season because I think at the start of the season no fans be them Evertonians or not would have seen a relegation battle on the cards for this football club so where did the decline start where did those first cracks start to appear well, I think when Rafa Benitez was appointed, um, that's no disrespect to Rafa Benitez. He's been an unbelievable manager and still is an unbelievable manager. But when you go into, you know, where he was a legend at Liverpool and Liverpool fans are singing for Rafa Benitez's name and you go in at the biggest rival in a, in a, in a, in a two-club city and the fans aren't having you from from, from day, day one, really, that can be really, really difficult as soon as things look to not be going in the right direction. It's the manager's fault and it's always the manager's fault. So I think from day one, when Rafa was appointed, there was something not quite right about the dynamics of the whole the whole club. Um, and then when, when Frank Lampard's gone, he's taken over a really difficult situation. Um, and he's, there's been big clubs. Leeds have been relegated from the Premier League. You know, he's been Sunderland. He's been big clubs from relegated from the Premier League. But if Everton go down this season, it will be the biggest in terms of I mean, they've got 50 million players across the pound players. He's got pick. If you look at the spine of the team, Pickford, 30 odd million, Keane, 40 million, um, Sigurdsson, 50 million, um, Richarlison. 50. This would be the biggest disaster in terms of Premier League clubs going down to the Championship. So um, they've got a job on their hands because it looks like Leeds and, and, and Burnley are fighting. It was a massive result for Everton the other day. My worry about Everton is the away form. They look really, really flaky. When they've got the Goodison Park crowd behind them, they look like a fit, strong outfit that, that, that can dig in and stay in games. But away from home, they look a little bit flaky. So the only saving grace for Everton, if Leicester have got a big game again tonight against Rome, and maybe that can impact team selection or the fitness levels or fatigue. But um, 
I think it's going to be a big weekend for the for the deciding factor in, in terms of the relegation in the Premier League. You say it could be a disaster if Everton go down to the Championship. Do you think it could be... I mean, could it be one of those clubs that just doesn't come back again, that never recovers? No, they're big enough to come straight back. But what you tend to happen is you look at Norwich that have, that have been relegated in the Premier League. They will keep 80-90% of their squad together. So they've got some continuity going. They'll... they'll, they'll um, They'll obviously keep a couple, lose a couple, but they replace them with with proven players. If Everton go down to the Championship, I would imagine every single Everton player in the starting eleven would want to leave because they consider themselves Premier League players, and rightly so. Um, so therefore, what does that hold? How does a recruitment you put in 15, 16 bodies together for the first time? How does that impact you? Um, so yeah, I would go as far as to say it would be disastrous. They've got. They've got enough quality to stay up, but if they do go, then it could be a struggle. How do you rate Leicester City so far, the opposition for this one, Matty, your old team? They've not really been in the conversation as far as those European places are concerned, which is where we've come to expect to see Leicester, kind of certainly around that top six position. But this season, it's not really happened for them. Is that a concern? from a Leicester City point of view, that they've not been in the conversation or have they just overachieved previous seasons and they're kind of finding a bit more of a level now? Yeah, I'd have to agree with the latter point. I think they've overachieved in the last couple of seasons. Um, The FA Cup, the Premier League, which was totally unexpected and then being in the Champions League spots and then missing out. Um, And this year it hasn't quite materialised. And they've probably faced a little bit of unfair criticism, I'd say. Because when I look at it, yes, they could be slightly high and they've got games in hand in terms of the league. But yeah, it's it's more of a season where I'd say Leicester are going to be top top half, I'd imagine, but not pushing on to the heights they were the previous seasons. So. You say the criticism has been unfair for the players and for, for Rodgers, Matty. I mean, Brendan Rodgers is one of those managers that he doesn't seem to stay at clubs for particularly long periods of time. He kind of has a cycle and then moves on, whether that's his desire to move on to a bigger job or whether the kind of football reaches its natural end and there needs to be fresh ideas and a fresh approach come in. Do you think Brendan Rodgers has more time at Leicester City? Regardless of what the fans think, do you think from a footballing point of view, he's got more to offer? That's a brilliant point. I was looking up that Brendan Rodgers doesn't stay past three seasons with a club and this is his third season at Leicester. So that will be really interesting. I know early in the season he's come out and sort of not criticised his players but questioned them a little bit, which he doesn't tend to do. Maybe he might be looking over his shoulder. But all in all, I think he's done a really good job with Leicester. He'll, it will be an interesting one, but they, they do need to add and sort of trying to evolve the team that has got them so far with adding new blood to it. Uh, I know they've got a few younger players that they've introduced this season that have done well. But again, it's trying to find that transition of they've got some that are coming to sort of the back end of the career but have been so successful for Leicester. And it's sort of merging the two together and adding to them. Uh, they've been reliant on certain players for a very long time. So that's um, it's going to be a, a different one if he does stay. I'm, I'm not sure with Leicester. Um, but I'd say the criticism... Uh, around it's uh, rather unfair to be honest and they have been overachieving sum this one up for us Richie Leicester versus Everton the Fox is in poor form at the moment four games without a win it feels like their focus might have been on the Europa Conference can Everton take advantage of Leicester's midweek game and those tired legs that are going to be there do you think there'll be three points to help them on their way to safety or do you think Leicester City can turn their recent form around um, no, I think Everton would be looking to capitalise on that. Um, Leicester have had a poor season for their standards, but I do think these these valid excuses for that. I think the injuries that they've had to to Johnny Evans, who is the most experienced part of their back line, Fafana has missed long periods. Um, obviously, Jamie Vardy, who is the biggest focal point at the club, has missed long periods. So, I think if they can build on last year's FA Cup success with with this. Um, with this Conference League trophy, it continues that momentum in terms of getting trophies into the trophy cabinet. But I think you have to put Everton as favourites to this one. Their circumstances mean that they need to be right on the toes in this game. And I think they're Everton will win this one. Let's look at the final game in our battle for the bottom. Uh, it's Arsenal versus Leeds. It's another Sunday game. And 
I mean, Leeds fans will be or have been pointing squarely at the injury crisis they faced this season. That has led to a few poor performances in the league and they've not reached the heights that they have previously. They've obviously seen the departure of Marcelo Bielsa as well. I mean, is it possible to use that as an excuse, Richie? Or is that just part of a manager's job that when you have injuries to key personnel, he has to find a solution? Either be that bringing in players or having a big enough squad to cope with it or finding formations that work with the personnel you do have. You can't use injuries, which happen to every club at some point. You can't use that as an excuse for not performing how you're expected to perform. No, no, and I get that. But when you've got injuries and you can't pick your best team, it does have a it does have a, a, a really big impact on a starting eleven. Mm. You've got a lot of talented youngsters at Leeds, but when you put too many in the team at, at once, then it become really really tough for them. Um, obviously, Patrick Bamford's been a huge miss because he's he's been their main goal scorer over the last two or three years. But yeah, that's probably the club's fault because he did need a bigger squad. And I I get I think out of Burnley, I think out of Everton, I do really think that Leeds are on. They've had a couple of lucky. I watched them away at Wolves when they should have been 4-5-0 down at half-time. They ended up scoring a last-minute winner. So they've been getting a little bit lucky in terms of scoring late late goals to keep them in there. I think that Everton and Burnley will stay up and I think that Leeds going away to an Arsenal team that, that are really showing a lot of progression under Mikel Arteta. I think that Leeds are going to struggle. You mentioned the young players coming in there, Richie. I mean, it must be a lot of pressure for a youth player to come into a team that is struggling at the wrong end of the table. When you get that opportunity as a young un coming in, I mean, I suppose you have to grasp it by both hands or grasp it with both hands because you want to take the opportunity. But that must be a real challenge to make an impact on a team that's struggling rather than maybe coming in like a Phil Foden coming into Manchester City who are absolutely flying and then you're able to play your football. Yeah, I mean, you just hit the nail on the head. I think when you're a young player coming in, you want everybody else around you to be on the game. So you can just fit in and you're only one one small cog of, of, of the wheel, if you like, and you can continue moving. But also you need experienced players around you to guide you, to help you, to give you advice while you're playing. So you get your pictures and you and you see things early. But if there's too many young players in, it can become, and the Premier League is is unforgiving. The, the relentless of it, the pace of it, the physicality of, of the Premier League teams now, it's unforgiving. So if you put four or five young players in, in a team at once, then they can get run over. And I've seen that a couple of times with, with, with Leeds. They've obviously changed style now. They're not as much man-to-man, the more zonal press, and, and they press a lot higher. So um, I, I think that Jesse Marsh has done an OK job. But I, I really do worry for him with the amount of injuries that they've had. And, and Patrick Bamford, again, obviously Calvin Phillips has been a, a huge loss as well. So I do worry for Leeds. Well, they're coming up against an Arsenal team who have shown great improvements this season. Mikel Arteta seems to be finally having an impact on that Arsenal team. And it comes after a huge job he's had in changing the whole ethos of Arsenal and clearing out some big personalities from that squad as well. What kind of impact can that have, Matty, in a dressing room? I'm sure you've been in a situation in your career where there's been a bad egg or a few bad eggs in the dressing room. Can that really impact what happens on the pitch that much? It can. Uh and obviously he didn't like what he saw and decided to make changes and um similar to what Richie sort of said in terms of the progression under Arteta I think he's done a really good job he's stuck to his philosophy um and Arsenal are building uh, earlier on in the season there's under pressure I don't think they got off to I, I think there's on still on zero points after three games um and there's a lot of discontent um but again Talking about youngsters, Arsenal have obviously had faith in the younger players, um, played their way as such, and they're reaping the rewards. And I'm feeling quite confident that Arsenal can uh, hold on to fourth, and um, that would be a, a you say fourth in terms of it's not a trophy season, but I think the building and obviously in terms of bad eggs or players that he wanted to get out, he's, he's decided what's right for the team and sort of got rid of them and made sure there's no distractions and the younger ones can grow with that without being a, a sort of a toxic atmosphere and everyone's pulling in the right direction. So you've got to applaud that. And as a manager, he, he sees he sees fit and seems like they've responded and Arsenal uh, are heading uh, in the right direction for me. Sounds like you're both backing an Arsenal win tonight. Obviously, the 
Opposition to Arsenal getting that top four space is Tottenham Hotspurs, who are hunting them down in the race for European and Champions League football. We'll talk about their game next on Football Social Daily as they face a Liverpool team looking to secure a Premier League title. We'll do it next in a second on The Dugout. The Dugout, Premier League preview, Football Social Daily. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome back to The Dugout. I'm talking to Matty Fry and Richie Wellens about this weekend's Premier League action. We've done the bottom of the table. We're going to talk about the top of the table now. And we're going to start at Manchester City, who face Newcastle United at the Etihad on Sunday. Now, the big news for Manchester City, the headline is, unfortunately for Blues, that they crashed out of the Champions League midweek. They lost to Real Madrid in a game that they probably should have been victorious in, given that they were moments away from seeing a place in the final. How do you pick yourself up from that, Matty? How do you get yourself up from a massive defeat like that to Real Madrid and then focus on the Premier League, which is where they need to put their focus now because it is their chance for silverware? It's going to be really difficult. I'd mentioned it before and having discussions about Liverpool, Man City, where I thought it was going to be heading in terms of the games and everything. And in the Premier League, I didn't really see it so much as a, a mental battle because, because of the way both teams play. It was more dictating the ball and they're in control. Um, but this is going to be a real psychological blow, um, suffering the way they suffered in the Champions League in midweek um, is, go- is going to really hurt. And at the minute, they could be looking potentially having... Been so good for most of the season, coming away with no silverware to show, and then the response from Liverpool in midweek and that their tails are up. They they could be going for four trophies, and then Man City looking over the shoulders, thinking, "Well, we might be on no trophies." Um, it, it's going to be really difficult for them to to raise themselves. Um, from being so close, what what they're after really? I think they'd prefer the Champions League than the league. Personally, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard for them, but they've got to get themselves going again, and uh, they can't afford to slip up. So it's going to be uh, definitely a challenge at the weekend. Where do you look after a big defeat like that? After a big body blow, are you looking for your leaders in that dressing room to kind of g you up? Are you looking for words of inspiration from your manager, or is it all about you as an individual and how you react in that situation? Depends. Depends what type of character you are. Sometimes you go in yourselves, then you'd expect the leaders to come forward. What's the manager saying? Then Guardiola is going to be mightily disappointed. They've been so close, and it hasn't quite. M- happened in terms of in the Champions League Um, because for most of the tie in midweek you look like Man City were going to go through and then it's just an absolute hammer blow Um, so they've got to dust themselves down sort of reflection think we were close but they've got to pick themselves up as quickly as possible Um, and it may be eyes on some of the the star players they've got who may be underperformed in midweek or some of the ones that have come into the club or players on the fringes to actually think, well, actually, this is my time to grab it and uh, I'm going to come to the party and show what I'm about. Um, but it, it depends what type of character you are. It isn't a mould set for everyone. Some are going to lead, some are going to go in themselves. You might get the reaction where they're all guns blazing and straight out the traps or it might be the other way where they're a little bit unsure and it could be a it could be a really difficult game against a, a Newcastle team that are on the up so it's a, it's a it's a really tricky one really difficult situation for them now you started your football career Richie uh, the other side of Manchester with Manchester United's youth team so there's an opportunity for you to put the boot in here but 
does that defeat dent pep guardiola's reputation as kind of the elite manager in the premier league it's another season where he's failed to win the champions league after huge investment he's won domestic trophies but sure mancini won domestic trophies pellegrini won domestic trophies he's failed again to get to the pinnacle of european football and lift the champions league trophy with manchester city does that do him any damage at all in terms of his status as a manager no, oh, I think this is a really tough one because <clears throat> there's no doubt about it that Manchester City was always going to win Premier Leagues because of the amount of investment they've, they've put in. So Pep was brought in to win the win the Champions League. Um, the style and, and the, the team that he's brought to the Premier League is up where these, this team could compete with any of the, the bygone years, the, the top teams in the Premier League, absolutely. Um, I think this one hurts more because couple of years ago they got done with a, with a goal that maybe shouldn't have, have been and then they got a, a, they scored in the last minute and they got disallowed then he was un, really unlucky last year I think this season probably could have been four or five up in the first leg <clears throat> he, he was 2-0 up then he was 3-1 up then he was 4-2 up so for me I think the biggest problem that Man City have got now because they want it so much the first one is always the, most, the toughest one to get and I have a serious belief if they do win it, then they could go and win it probably three or four years on the bounce like Real Madrid done. But you look at the mentality of Real Madrid who have got players in their squad that have won it four or five times and they, they always believe. Whereas Man City are always thinking, yes, come on, we can see that the final, we can get there. Um, yeah, mentally, this has got to be one of the worst one. But do you, do you sack Pep? I don't, I don't think you sack him. I think what you've got to do is <laughs> you've got to give him one more season. Listen, they'll throw money at it again because that's what they'll do. Um, for me, and I know Pep's quite stubborn in his ways, if Man City have, and it's been interesting to see what Matty says as a, as a former centre-forward, I think if, if Man City have got a top centre-forward, a Haaland, a Benzema, you look at Benzema, Benzema's not in the game. He's scored f- four goals over two legs, he's not even been in the game. If you put a centre-forward in that Man City team, Real Madrid do not go, they, t- they take the game away from them, and then obviously Man City can dominate with the possession. But for me, they've, they've suffered all year through not having a um, an out-and-out centre-forward and on, the, on the, the flip of that you watch someone like Liverpool who have actually stuttered quite badly in, in the last three or four games but then Mane, Salah, Jota, Diaz the top players at the top end of the pitch step up and take the game away from the opposition so for me if I was Pep and I'm not, I wish I was um, I would be going all out to get a top, top centre-forward this summer do you agree with that then, Matty? I mean, would City be a different beast with a centre-forward? Haaland is the suggestion. It looks like he's going to be coming in the summer. Is he worth kind of an additional 10, 12 points to Manchester City and obviously that next level in terms of the Champions League football? Certainly. Um, not having a Aguero. Um, and then brilliant team Man City are. There's there's no doubt in that. Um but I think, as as Richie pointed to, if you've got a Benzema, I know there's in for Kane in the summer. If you've got an out and out goal scorer, someone who's good, you know, is going to finish the chances or in the big games get you those goals. The they're out of sight, and to have played all year in the the Premier League and obviously performing at the top end of Europe and getting so close in the semi final without a so called recognised natural centre forward. Um, is it brave? Is it good play? I, th- I think with um, a star forward, the uh, they would be in the final, like like Richie touched on, um, where you think of Liverpool, they've got goals all over. As Man City, y- you'd probably want someone who's in 20, 30, maybe towards the 40 goal mark. Um, and with the finances that they possess, you'd think they'd be all out of securing a a number nine forward. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it is a, a, a big point that they've played all year without one, really. Let's focus on Newcastle for a second, because this won't be the cakewalk it might have been earlier on in the season, not just for Manchester City's form, but for Newcastle's form as well, because Eddie Howe has been a revelation since he came into that football club. Yes, there has been an element of money spent and he's brought in some key players, but also that Newcastle team just look better coached. They look like they know what they're doing now as well. And we've seen their form absolutely sparkle since the turn of the year. 
I think, I might be remembering this wrong slightly, but I think if you look at the teams on form alone, they're third in terms of it's, it's City, it's Liverpool, then it's Newcastle that are chasing that tail. Does that give a hint, Richie, of where Newcastle can be next season? Do you expect to see them instantly with this investment and with this change of management? Do you expect to see them instantly competing for the top six? No, not with the... I think Eddie Howe was really clever with his recruitment in the, in, in the January transfer window because he was in a certain predicament and he needed to get players into to work and to play in them circumstances. And Chris would have done that for years in, in, in Burnley's team. He can get goals in, in, in pressure. He can, he can be that focal point, get the ball up to him. I think that Dan Burns been a very, very good signing. And then a little bit of stardust in, in Bruno Gomez. I think they've been re- three really good signings. But no mistake about it, if they want to get up to the top six, they'll need they'll need four or five players of the next level. Um, but really clever recruitment to get him out of the situation. They've done fantastic job. But now this is a a big big step up now to get. They're on a bit of a crest of a wave at the minute. But when the season breaks up, you know, be a bit more pressure on Newcastle because people will be going to finish the season really strongly. Now we expect top six. Where I don't think that Newcastle's squad is, is a top six squad as it currently is. So big summer Ed, Eddie Howe. I mean, listen, he will be definitely backed, um, and that will give him a lot of confidence. But um, yeah, he, he probably need four or five more players. I guess this game is probably going to come down to that reaction from Manchester City, Richie, whether they bounce back from that Champions League defeat or whether they step it up and kind of see the Premier League as their sole focus now. But do you think Newcastle United have a chance? How do you see this one going ahead of the weekend? No, for me, Man City are the best team in the league. Um, I wouldn't even question Pep's um, determination, motivation. I think he's done it year. He's not won a, he's not won a Champions League for eleven years now, um, and I think out of them eleven years, he's not won the Champions League. He's won the league, whatever country he's been in, for the majority of them years. So, I think he's very, very good at bouncing back from disappointments. I'm sure he, he's got a big enough squad where he can probably bring four or five players into the starting eleven who have not been as scarred as maybe the starters would be from from, from yesterday. Um, and I only see Man, Man City dominate possession and, and going on to win the game. We're going to talk about one final game on today's dugout and it's those title challengers, Liverpool, who are slightly lagging behind at the moment, Manchester City, but there's a fag packet, sorry, a fag paper between the two in terms of points in the league. Uh, Liverpool versus Tottenham is a game on Saturday that could go a long way to deciding that title. Now there's been a lot of criticism this season, Matty, in terms of the way Liverpool's season has been covered by the media, especially that criticism, a lot of it coming from where I am in Manchester, I've got to say, and it feels like there is a bias towards Liverpool in terms of the coverage of their success and their bid for the quadruple. Do you see any of that criticism at all? Coming in from a slightly neutral position, do you see that there is a bias towards Liverpool in any way? I don't I don't think too many people, um, not I wouldn't say fancy Man City, but I feel like everyone's towards Liverpool. I, I, I do sort of feel that. Two brilliant teams in Liverpool and Man City, there's no, no denying it, but I would say it was a little bit towards Liverpool, even when they were catching up Man City. And now it's got really tight now. It was always, can they get there? Can they get there? As when Man City were ahead, it was like, oh well, they'll be drawn back, but hopefully Man City get, can get caught up. And yeah, I would say there was some some bias towards it in terms of how everything's. Liverpool, 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 they've got such a great defence, they've got quality in midfield, they've got the attacking players, but Man City have also got that. But I feel like it is slightly edged towards Liverpool, even from a, a neutral perspective. And some, I suppose somewhat, it's underplayed of how good Man City have been as well. But I feel like people are probably backing Liverpool more than Man City, which is harsh, really, on Man City, to be honest, because the two fabulous teams what do you think that's put down to is it the romance of Liverpool's like success in the 80s is it the likability of Jurgen Klopp versus Pep Guardiola is it the perceived investment that Manchester City seemed like a club that has bought their success as opposed to Liverpool even though the spending's actually been pretty similar between two clubs what do you put the bias down to or is it just that there happens to be a fair few ex-Liverpool players that are part of big broadcasters punditry teams 
Oh, it's it's a good question. Um, I'd, I'd maybe it's the we're saying we're talking about two unbelievable managers, two brilliant teams, two squads. You could say the the money thing and Liverpool steeped in more history, um, but they've enjoyed success for the last couple of years at least. Um, whether they've got more people in punditry positions or not, I don't I don't think that plays in it too. Because I always hear Manchester United pundits mm. uh, or former players of Manchester United more so than actual Liverpool or or Man City. Um, I'm not sure. I'd, it's a really difficult one to sum up, but I do feel there's something that people edge towards Liverpool, um, and probably City don't get the credit they deserve. Um, I've I've backed City all all season, um, and obviously when they were ahead by quite a big margin I, I felt they'd gone and went and even it's got tight now and they look like they've got the the more trickier games I would still back Man City but I think it is a slight bias towards Liverpool I quite can't quite put my finger on it this might be a difficult question for you to answer Ricky in terms of your heritage and your background in Manchester but if Liverpool go on to win the quadruple, it's completely unheard of. It still seems like an impossibility, but I've been saying that for months and they're edging closer to closer. If they go on to win the quadruple, does that make them the greatest Premier League team of all time? Absolutely, I think. And not only because they've won the four trophies, they're actually going to win the four trophies in a season where they're competing against an exceptional Manchester City team. Um, I would put this Man City team down as one of the Premier League's all-time great teams. So for Liverpool to, to beat them, then obviously put the three cups on top of that. Um, the, the difference is, for me, Man City are a fantastic team, but when it gets close and when it gets tight and when it's really hanging on the line, I mean, we read Jurgen Klopp's interview after the game the other day, the mental, mentality monsters are in town. Mentally, that Liverpool team are so far ahead of anybody. They're, they're never out of the game. They, they can play poorly and win. Um, you look at Man City last night and they played a little bit, Put the, the levels came down a little bit and they lose. But whenever Liverpool's standards just come down a bit, they still win. So not only have they got extreme talent, they've got pace, power, they've got goals in the team. But then for me, the mentality that that group has is absolutely elite. So if they win a quadruple, for me, I think they go, they go down as the best team that's ever come from, from England. There's a few matches between now and then potentially lifting that quadruple. This match is not going to be easy under any circumstances, Liverpool versus Spurs. And Tottenham have had a real turnaround over the last few months, probably since the January transfer window where their form has really picked up. Conte seems to have made a huge difference in that playing squad after being initially under a little bit of pressure. How far are Spurs off being the next Liverpool, Matty? And when I say the next Liverpool, I mean kind of the next team to have that status of when they step on the pitch, they feel like they're going to win. It feels like an inevitability. Liverpool have at the moment. Manchester City have had it. Manchester United had under Fergie back in the day. And it feels like Spurs are kind of, they're touching on that a little bit now. They have the ability to absolutely demolish the smaller teams. It's just grinding out those results against the bigger teams that maybe is lacking at the moment. Yeah, I'd say they're still, still off Liverpool by a considerable distance. They need at least five or six players you're looking at. Left centre back, they'll need right wing back, uh, attacking midfielder. The lack of creativity. Uh, I've seen reports with Ericsson being linked back to Tottenham. Um, he would add to them. They need uh, probably a wide centre forwards in between someone, perhaps like a Rashford, Marshall. That they might not be starting all the time, but they can come on and influence games. Um, I watched them at the weekend. Um, obviously, they've got world-class quality in terms of Son and Kane up front and their combinations are incredible, but you can't be reliant just on them. I like Romero at the back, but I still think they're at least five or six players off from really pushing um, the two teams that we've already spoken about. Um, and they know they need a little bit more creativity and it does rely upon Son and Kane. Um, Kulevsky, he's at, it made a difference. Um, but they're just, they're just short from those, those other two teams and 
again, like what we've mentioned earlier in the program, there's going to be a big summer, like with so many teams. But Tottenham, for me, need at least five more players of that next level of quality other than the centre-forward wide position where it's someone who can come in. They're not going to play all the time, but when they come in, they make a difference, perhaps like a Jota. Um, not saying they're going to get him, but someone in that mould. Um, because you know you're not going to start with Son and Kane. And, and I think Kulievsky, um has made a big difference, but they still need that strength and depth where someone can fill in when you need to give, say, Kane a rest. I mean, given those levels, and you're right, they are a level below Liverpool at the moment, will they go into this game believing they can win? Conte seems to have given them a confidence that I don't think I've seen a Spurs team ever have, to be honest with you. They seem to be losing that Spursy kind of edge and becoming a team of winners now. Will they go out there, even with the aura that Liverpool have, and believe that they can win? And can they win? Do you see this being a dent in Liverpool's title challenge? From what I saw at the weekend, I wasn't too impressed with Spurs, but then you've tu- you, you've touched on it there in terms of they weren't at the scintillating best. When when they are, they can destroy teams, and when they're poor, they can um, suffer heavily. But then at the weekend, it was just, I would say, a mediocre Spurs performance with a bit of stardust and the, the two main players came up with the goods and it was sort of job well done. It's a, it's a difficult one for Tottenham, but they have got the quality to uh, cause problems. I think they'll have to play, obviously, a lot better than what they did against Leicester, albeit that they got the three points. But again, it's uh, whether they can withstand that pressure Liverpool are going to put on. It's going to be a tricky one for Tottenham. Um, but they have got the quality there that they can. Uh, they know that, that they can get goals, so... It's going to be a difficult game, but they'll, it's uh, interesting for both teams. Obviously, Spurs for pushing for fourth and Liverpool right at the top, uh, chasing down Man City. And we'll leave it there. That's all we've got time for on today's Dugout. We'll be back on Sunday to review the weekend's action and look back at all the key points for the Premier League team. Fergal and the team will be back then. Make sure you hit subscribe and follow so you get that podcast as soon as it's ready. Matty, Richie, cheers for joining me on the Dugout today. Cheers, Jim. Cheers, guys. Pleasure. And don't forget, you can find more of the podcasts you love on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just search Sports Social Podcast Network in Google and it will take you to the right place. See you soon. The Dugout Premier League Preview Football Social Daily.